Welcome to the Sojo Show with Jen and AJ, where you'll dig deep into God's Word alongside two imperfect, frequently ineloquent women as we discover fresh ways to walk out God's truth together. Well, welcome back to the Sojo Show, everybody. This is AJ, and I am here with Jen. And this is kind of a much-anticipated episode, is it not? Ooh, I don't know if they've anticipated it. (laughs) (laughs) But we have. (laughs) Yes, we have. And especially, I think Jen has anticipated it because she actually wrote on this topic. When was it? Back in November? I wanted to do this episode during our Colossians study, and we never, somehow it never happened. Yeah, I think we got into the holidays and it got delayed. And yet here we are in January 2023, if you are listening to us as we are recording, and the topic is back. Who yeah, knew? It, it showed back up two months later. It sure did right there in the word of God. And so I think that just means we got to talk about it. That's so right. we do. let me start by asking you a question that is going to tie into our topic today. So maybe this will give a little sneak peek to our listeners. But I'm a little nervous because I know our topic. So I'm nervous about what the (laughs) question is going to (laughs) be. Well, if if you guys listening don't know this about Jen, she is a pediatrician and has been for many, many, many years. So I have that many. Oh, my gosh. It made me sound like I'm like ancient. Many, 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 many. Like you're still in the workforce. Dark ages. (laughs) Like Flint knife. (laughs) <laughs> there you. <laughs> well, there you go. That that's a sneak peek right there. What the, my question is. <laughs> um, okay, so my question for you though, Jen, is as a physician, is there anything that you do routinely that you don't quite or a, a procedure? Okay, a procedure that you do routinely that maybe you don't quite enjoy so much as a pediatrician. Okay, so you set me up on this one, so that was good because I know what the answer is supposed to be, and <laughs> I agree with the answer. And I really do not do this procedure anymore. Um, I will say that uh, I just because I'm not in the hospital anymore um, for this. But what I did for a long time is I performed circumcisions on newborn baby boys, and I trained to do that in residency. And we would literally, and, and I know this is probably more information than what anybody that has a baby boy wants to know, but we'd line them up, <laughs> line them up on the trays and go from one to the other and do the circumcisions. And and it was a procedure I never particularly loved. I just, I, I just, it was what it was. Yeah. Uh, and well, I don't do it anymore, but it it was fairly routine. And it's something that if you have, you know, sons, which I do, I have three, um, it's, it's not, it's not routine as a mom. You're like, ah, but yeah. it's, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. And um, yeah. Well, I have a follow-up question just personally, I'm wondering. So my two sons, well, all my kids were born overseas, actually in different areas of the world. And my two sons were both born in hospitals where their birthing um, experiences were quite different, but I remember for my firstborn, when he went through this particular procedure, the doctors, like they had this little pacifier that had, um, a little place for what's it called? The baby ibuprofen or acetaminophen or whatever, whatever they give babies. And so they gave that to him 
as they were performing the procedure. Is that something they do in the States? No. Well, for one thing, you don't know ibuprofen under six months of age. Spoiler alert for anybody who's listening with babies. Don't give ibuprofen under <laughs> six months of age. Um, <laughs> and we don't give Tylenol either, but you especially don't give ibuprofen. But well, they, did, they did over there. <laughs> we would give, we, sometimes you would do like a uh, sweet, like sweet water, like like put a little bit of like sweet on a passy and it was kind of like sugar water. I mean, it was safe. It was like not real sugar, but it was like dextrose and, and it would keep them kind of settled, but it literally is a five minute procedure. It is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's so super, super relatively simple. Now I will say this, this is an interesting note. Do you know why in biblical days they did circumcisions on day eight? I, I do not, I do not know the medical answer to that, but I have heard that it is because like the blood clotting is per- particularly high or something on yeah. that particular day. Okay. So, yeah. So you do kind of know, I'm so impressed. That you have to, <laughs> you. So we, so here's the thing. So we don't have to wait till day eight now because we give all of our babies vitamin K. That's one of the things that you get after your delivery. You get a shot of vitamin K. Well, you don't produce, and the reason, because you don't produce your own vitamin K until around day seven to eight. And vitamin K is required for blood clotting. So if it makes me kind of wonder, you know, I, I hope that they didn't just figure this out. I hope God like audibly said, wait until day eight. Otherwise, it would have been a difficult thing to figuring this out because basically the babies would have bled to death before day eight. Wow. I know. Wow. Isn't that something? And it kind of, yeah, it kind of does make you wonder, did they learn that by experience? <laughs> that would be very, very sad. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it just, it became, you know, part of what had to, how it had to happen, but that's, that's the, that's the physiologic reason behind it. And there's so many questions to that, that I could keep, I, I have a question for God about that even. I mean, you know, I understand yeah. My guess is it was like as a sign of obedience that, that they would wait and blah, blah. But I mean, why not just have babies born with the ability to clap? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Question yeah. for God. I'm not him. Thank, thank goodness. But yeah, yeah those are some the, answer. Yeah, those are some of the things that we meditate on when as we're falling to sleep at night in bed. That's right. <laughs> so, That's hmm, right. How did how did this happen? Why did God do it this way? But all of this to say, the setup that we've just laid for you guys is in relation to Joshua 5. And in this chapter, guys, there is so much in this one little chapter. Circumcision is just one of the things here in the passage. And that's what we're going to kind of focus in on today. But there are other pretty important things too here in the passage. So Jen, you want to kind of just give us a rundown of what those things are real quick before we dive into circumcision? Sure. So if you've been listening to us, we've been going through the book of Joshua. Well, we're the first six chapters of the book of Joshua because we're studying that in Sojo Academy this month. And we're at a point now in Joshua where the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan. Last week, we talked about on the podcast about stones of remembrance, setting up stones so that their children and future generations would always remember this miracle of crossing the Jordan, right? One of the, one of the, I think, under most underrated miracles of all. I think we, I don't think we give it nearly as much of a big deal as it should be. The whole, you know, crossing the Jordan on dry land, similar to crossing the Red Sea, just so many analogies that, that in and of itself was so great. But now we have crossed over into the new land, the promised land. Finally, finally, we're here. So here we are. 
So this in this chapter, it's just fascinating. It's just phenomenal because the very first thing God does when they cross over, the very first thing God tells them to do at that time in verse two, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. And then verse three, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel. Basically, immediately after crossing into enemy territory in which they were about to go into battle, God told them, circumcise all of your adult men, Mm -hmm. all of your fighting forces, your entire fighting force, circumcise them. So, so that's, so that's number one. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that a little bit. There's so much in that. So, so he does it. He obeys as they are recovering. We assume as, as they were recovering from their circumcision, they, they then proceed to go about and celebrate and keep the Passover, the Passover, which they had not been, presumably they had not been keeping while they were wandering in the desert. And so not only do they cross over the Jordan into enemy territory and basically Im- completely um, immobilize and they they just completely, what, what do I want to say? They just, they their entire fighting force became not able to do anything for three days. We know at least three days is how long it takes. And we know that because going back to Genesis 34, Go back and read that chapter at some point, because that is how uh, Dinah's brothers, the sons of Jacob, got revenge on an entire army by um, while they had been while they were recovering from circumcision. Interesting side note. But anyway, so then not only that, but now they've got this feast going and their feast, they use the food that's in that land. They And then the manna from heaven stops at that point because now they are in their promised land. And so, so that's fascinating. And the circumcision is, um, is all about the relationship with God and they're re-consecrating themselves to God. And then the Passover is recognizing their redemption and reminder of their redemption, because obviously that leads back where they were celebrating the first Passover, where they were rescued from uh, from Pharaoh. And then, so that, so that is all happening in this chapter. And then the very end of the chapter, which we're not going to really get into, which we could take a whole podcast episode on that is when the commander of the Lord's army shows up in front of Joshua. So basically, you know, the Lord shows up. So that I, I hate to not even touch on it, but we don't have time to touch on that. Right. I mean, we're talking several significant <laughs> events all right here, jam packed into these. What is it like 15, 16 verses? I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy incredible. town. I know 15 yeah. verses. But going back to circumcision, I think it is significant. As you mentioned, I mean, you brought these two points out, but I think it's it's kind of like we need to set the stage in our minds. And that is this is the first thing that God tells them to do. After they enter enemy territory, Mm -hmm. so just, just imagine yourself in this situation, you've entered enemy territory and God asks you to do this. And the fact that for adult men to go through this, the whole slew of them, it was incapacitating. That's the word. 
incapacitating. The <laughs> army was incapacitated. <laughs> they were incapacitated. Like everybody, there was nobody that could fight. Like if anybody came at them, it was going to have to be the women and the children. Yeah. Like these men could not do and anything. The old men, the old, they're done for. They were done for. They're, they're, they're completely done for. And what a sign and a symbol of trust yes. that was to God. I mean, isn't that just beautiful where you see an entire nation submitting and becoming weak in order to rely on their God? And that really is what circumcision is. That's not all it is and probably not even primarily what it is, but it is one of the things that it is. It is a symbol of our trust and our dependence and our reliance upon God. Yeah. And when, and when Ada's talking about circumcision, we're going to talk about this in a minute. She's not talking about the physical act of circumcision today. She's talking about what it symbolized then. And then we're going to talk about what that means for us today as well. But in the first few verses of chapter five, I do like the way they kind of set us up a little bit where they did mention that all of the enemy kings were like scared to death. They, I love it when they said they melted away. There was no spirit in them. So basically, you know, we're, we're kind of, we know that the enemy is not going to come against them because God made them scared. Right. So God, so God did that, but still these men and this entire, and just imagine if you were even the wife of one of these men, you're like, Ooh, is this such a good idea? (laughs) You know, they had to obey and there is no question that they obeyed and they obeyed quickly. And then AJ talked about earlier that we've studied this in Colossians, right? Mm-hmm. So we studied this in Colossians because we today also are, you know, we we do not have the physical act of circumcision that that separates us out and that consecrates us to God. But we're told in Colossians 2, I believe. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Is that is that where it is? Let me let me see if I've got it right. Yeah, uh, I think that's Col- it. Colossians 2, it says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now we could go into that like really deep. But the point, I think just if we can kind of put a like a an umbrella over it is to recognize that we now are separated because of Christ, because of who we are in Christ, right? We are not separated because of this small piece of flesh that has been removed, but because we are now in Christ. And, um, and uh, like I said, there's a lot of symbolism we could go into, but it's important to recognize that this, this act of circumcision shows back up again in the new Testament, but in a completely different way, in a way that's applicable to us. Mm -hmm. Well, and even looking at Joshua chapter five, verse nine, after they were circumcised, it says, the Lord said to Joshua today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And that is kind of the same as the circumcision that we receive of our heart. The Bible says that we receive the circumcision of the heart and it is the rolling away of our reproach. And so this Old Testament circumcision, circumcision, 
if I can say it correctly. I can never spell it, by the way. I, I actually I perform them and I have a hard time spelling it's, it. It's such a long <laughs> word too. Um, but it it was a symbol of what Christ does for us in the New Testament. And so it's that rolling away of reproach. It's it's like like you said, it's the separation. It's becoming set apart. Yes. And it's being marked by that. Like it was a visible sign. It was something that they could identify themselves with. Um, and, and if you remember the story of Joseph, that was actually how he identified himself to his brothers was by showing that circumcision. Um, and so knowing that, that we are likewise marked by the blood of Jesus Christ and by his empowering spirit in our lives, that is how we are known to other people as belonging to God. So there's just so, so much here um, that we could talk about, about circumcision and how it, how the Old Testament practice symbolizes the spiritual realities that we have as believers. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good example too, of how the Old Testament applies to us today in the fact that there are so many of the Old Testament laws and that were given for a purpose. And I think that sometimes we, you know, if we, we don't understand what that purpose is, sometimes we can fall into a trap a little bit. And like, for example, today, what we are not required to circumcise. If if you're listening, you did not circumcise your son. 50% of the world, by the way, is un- uncircumcised. Right. Um, that's not the statistic in America, but in the world. So that the physical act is not what we're talking about, but it does kind of help us to remember that the law was there for a purpose. And in this particular instance, it was there for a purpose to show obedience and consecration to God and the covenant, the covenant between God and his people, that relationship, like I mentioned earlier, that was what that showed. And just like AJ was saying, it was a a distinguishing factor. That is, uh, that, that was what it was for then. Whereas today it's different and it all points back to Christ. So just like the law in the Old Testament was not meant for anybody to be able to fulfill it, we could, we could not ever follow the law perfectly. It was it was actually Christ who came to fulfill it. And so the Old Testament law pointed to Christ. Mm-hmm. This Old Testament ritual points to Christ. The Passover, the the celebration of the Passover in the Old Testament points to Christ. And so it is all pointing to the gospel. And, um, and I just, I love how we can look at the old Testament and these, these stories, and they're more than just flannel graph stories. They more than just Sunday school stories. They are a picture of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it represents our spiritual realities and, and I'm so grateful for that because sometimes we need those visuals to to mm-hmm. understand to give us that the wisdom the spiritual wisdom that we need to understand the reality that we are separated unto God and Christ or we we do have that redemption we we have been um justified before God almighty you know and and these symbols as we see in the old testament do that so powerfully so understanding some of those things so just to kind of run through some of the things that circumcision in the Old Testament 
was um, in Joshua five. Number one, it marked the physical and spiritual obedience to God's command. So as we've talked about before, Joshua told these people do this and, and they did it like immediately they did it. They obeyed. It was also a symbol of the covenant that God himself had made with the nation of Israel. This distinguished them, as we've said earlier, this distinguished them from everybody else. It also identified to them a new beginning or a new phase in their relationship with God. And so like these things are, when you look at this act, it was such a significant event in the lives of the Israelites, you know, and even though the ladies weren't active participants in the circumcision, like it affected everybody, you know, it affected everybody. And I think that when you mention that, I think it's important to note for people who may not understand exactly why this whole army had to get circumcised. Uh, And when you were talking about the new phase in the relationship, they had just come out of a situation which they had been, they had been disobedient. So go back 40 years, there were 12 spies. They went in the land 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. They're too big. They're too powerful. Um, Two of them said, yeah, let's do it. Well, they were overruled. One of the two that said that was faithful, what happened to be Joshua, a side note. But, and so then, so God said, okay, y'all are not going to enter the land. Nobody in this generation is going to enter the land. And I'm going to wait till all of you die off before we go in. So we have a whole new generation of men and women, you know, a whole new generation who the Bible says they were not circumcised because they, because the Israelites were not practicing the law that they were taught. And so basically their relationship with God was, was, it was strained. I mean, they, I mean, to the point where they were not being obedient. And so they were not practicing Passover. They were not practicing circumcision. So that's why we now have a group of fighting men in their teens and twenties and thirties fighting men who were never circumcised. Mm-hmm. And that, and that now that is why God is saying, reconsecrate yourself to be re as a nation we need to reestablish this relationship. And, and to me, that is telling too, because what that does for me is it gives me such comfort to know that even if I have been you know, disobedient, even if I have been just a knucklehead and, and just strong-willed against the things that God is wanting me to do, I know that I serve a patient and gracious God, and he will give me the opportunity to continue to reestablish that relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, the covenant, the whole aspect of the covenant, this was a sign, you know, when, when, when we look back at Abraham and God giving Abraham the sign of the covenant, it was this, it was circumcision. And so knowing that here is God saying, you are my people, you are my people, and I am your God, and I am not going to let you go. And then taking that and putting it in the New Testament context of the new covenant that we have through the blood of Christ, we see the Lord's faithfulness to us. We see that it is his responsibility. He is taking it upon himself to remove our reproach. That is not our responsibility. We don't have to justify ourselves before him. 
We don't have to clean ourselves up and make ourselves right. That is the best news ever. And here is in the Old Testament, here is a symbol of that. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So the transformation that happened physically for them is the spiritual transformation that happens for us when we are made right before God. He does it. It's all by grace. When he does it and he regenerates our heart, then we are now, we can now stand before him holy and clean because of the righteousness of Christ. And um, and so we also have circumcision of the heart. Yeah. So I, I, I love this. I love this thing. I do too. And just one last thing that I'd like to circle back around to, because this is where it hits me just on a practical basis is that it's okay to be completely vulnerable before God, even when it's in the worst or the most scary place in your life. Like we all deal with fears. We all, maybe, maybe we struggle with a fear of not being good enough. You know, that's like one of the big ones or a fear of failure, um, fear of intimacy. You know, there's so many deep fears that we deal with internally. And yet here we see as these people are crossing over the river, they become extremely weak, extremely vulnerable Mm-hmm. in trust mm-hmm. in the character of their God. Mm-hmm. And we can do the same thing. God, that's what actually God asks us to do. He asks us to bring all of those fears, all of those insecurities, all of that self-doubt and, and be okay with it in front of him to let ourselves be in that place of weakness and vulnerability. And this is one of the reasons why I think some people that do not know the Lord, in my experience, as I have talk to and witness to people across the world, this is one of the reasons why people do not want to come to Christ is they are afraid to be that vulnerable and that exposed. They are afraid to expose those fears that are in their heart, their fears of not being forgiven or fears of not being good enough or fears of rejection. And ultimately it's fears of being rejected by God and not being holy or good enough. And it's okay for us to expose that before the Lord. He is not going to reject us. He will not reject us when we allow ourselves to be that vulnerable and that open and exposed. And I just see that beautifully in the example of the Israelites as they cross the Jordan River. Yeah. And just to add on to that, sometimes we don't understand at all. Well, most of the time we don't understand at all. But sometimes we don't understand even God's timing, and um, but we can trust in Him. I yeah. suspect there were probably a few of the Israelites, Joshua included, that kind of wondered why God didn't ask them to do this when they were on the other side of the river. Right. Right. Why? why could we not have done this a few days ago? So that way, by the time we crossed over, we would be whole and hearty, right? Mm-hmm. So they probably questioned, if not outwardly, at least in their mind, why is this happening? So it is okay to to question, but they were still obedient in it. And I think that's what is that that's that's what's important. And those fears that AJ is talking about and those and you know facing those and recognizing that God is with you. It is not your strength. It is the strength of Christ in you. And so understanding that trust in his work on the cross And so not only for the future to stand before God, 
righteous, but for today, so that you will have the strength of Christ in you when you are called to do these hard things that you may not understand. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's powerful. That is a great, that's a practical word if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Read chapter five. I'm going to go ahead and suggest that you all listening read Joshua chapter five. We kind of forget to mention this, but we do have a free, like a, a free gift for you about Joshua. Pertains to Joshua. It's, I think, some coloring pages. If you want to download that, go to the show notes at the uh, sojoshow.com and, and feel free to do that. Join us in the academy if you want to study this more. But the bottom line is, read Joshua, understand how it can relate to you and apply it to your own heart. Apply something we said to your own heart, trust in God and know that he is perfectly capable to take care of everything. That's right. Yeah. We have a capable savior. Yes. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. It was it was good to chat about this finally. <laughs> <laughs> and we look forward to seeing you next week. Leave us a review, leave us a comment, read chapter five. We've got all the things we're telling you to do. I know that's goes against the rules. We're only supposed to tell you one thing, but you guys are sharp. You can handle it. You can handle it. And we will see you <laughs> back here next week. Bye. Imagine sitting down with not one, but over a dozen godly women with years of ministry experience between them who are all excited to share exactly how they study the Bible. The Explore God's Word collection is a bundle of video workshops, tutorials, printables to show you exactly how others study scripture. Grab your own copy of the Explore God's Word collection at sojohub.com slash explore. That's sojohub.com slash explore. Are there areas in your life where you feel like you need to simplify a bit? My guess is yes. Several years ago, AJ and I identified seven areas that we felt like um, were important to simplify in order to focus on most important things in life and primarily our relationship with God. What we are doing is pulling that out of the vault, and we are doing Simplify Your Life Summer 2024 Edition. We invite you to join us. We are excited about it and look forward to seeing you there. Go check out sojohub.com slash simplify for more information.